What is up? Hey, welcome home. It's Heidi Rain. I'm so glad you are here for another, why do I always sing, for another riveting, revolting episode of Addiction and Codependency Breakthrough. Now, I know I say this every time. However, I believe it every time, okay? So there's a tip. I am going to give to you the signs and symptoms of codependency. Now, why is this so important? I sound like I should put on my glasses, my spectacles. Actually, I ordered these really stupid oversized glasses. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. I'm never wearing. They're they're out of control. Ridiculous. But let's just say we're going to attempt to be smarter than we actually are. Uh, You know, I mean, we all think we're smarter than we are, don't we? And I'm going to say, I'm going to diagnose you today with the signs and symptoms of codependency or codependent person. No, we're not going to do that because we don't deal in pathology around here. We deal in patterns around here and patterns can be broken, right? It's so, what's so awesome about this is like, now here's what I want to say. I'm going to give you these signs and symptoms, but it's just the beginning. It's like awareness is the first step so that we can set about the business systematically and strategically removing these signs and symptoms from your life one by one, because it's as just as does take a doctor to be able to diagnose these kinds of things. I've, I've dedicated my whole lifetime. Well, my adult lifetime anyway, to figuring these patterns out. Now (laughs) I have to tell you what happened, you know, so, so much. So I've, I specialize in codependency patterns and addiction that it's been a dream of mine my whole life. Like I, when I used to fantasize like what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would picture myself as a psychologist up in the hills of some kind of place, like up in the mountains where I'd drive my little convertible up into the mountaintop and I'd be wearing some kind of manly, I don't know why, man oversized uh, tweed jacket with like the patches on the, on the elbows. And I'd be like sitting in my leather chair and I'd be like, hmm, let me slick listening with, you know, taking notes. And and I always had that fantasy, but as I was studying psychology, I was like, man, I just feel like there's a shorter, quicker path to change than, than the, the path that I'm on, right. To try to, to try to earn my way into being uh, competent enough to be able to share and teach the things I already know. I already know. And I know a lot of you are like that too, where you have to get one more certification, one more, one more badge, one more stick of approval before you put your stuff out into the world. Well, I've, with all the work I've done, I finally got over that, okay? And I came up with my own personality test to declare the signs and symptoms of eight different codependent patterns that we have. Now, if you want to do the shortcut and you want to run your little butt over to HeidiRain.com, you can go take that test right now and get the pattern. But here's here's what happened. My whole life's work, 15 years in my adult life, 20 years in my adult life of specialization in this craft, I finally feel competent. I make the freaking personality test. If that's not the man at the top of the hill with the patches, I don't know what the hell is. Okay, I've made the damn test. And I have to say, somebody very close to me who I love with my whole heart, who is my soul sister, took the test. And I'm sitting with her recently and she goes, I have a confession to make. And I was like, what's, and I knew she had taken the test, but she didn't tell me. And I said, oh, okay, what's the confession? She goes, well, I took your test. 
And I said, okay, what pattern did you get? And she was like, well, I mean, I got the withholder pattern, but you know, I think it's wrong. I think you're, so the, so I said to her, okay, well, tell me what you thought immediately after you took that test. And she goes, well, I thought a couple of things. Number one, I think, I thought, where's the data? Where's the science to back this up? I mean, it was kind of like a little diatribe and she wasn't, she didn't outright say this, but of course, you know, I could have very easily gone into my old triggers and gone, oh, wait a minute, who am I to make a personality test? What What is all the structure of this test? And could have questioned who the hell do I think I am to put out there this pattern testing tool, right? So, but it was such a great opportunity because I was like, oh my God, yes, because people do get pissed off when they take the test. They do. It is a codependent pattern test. It's not like what's your spirit animal and you're happy you got a Libra, I mean, a, a zebra or a, what was that Napoleon dynamite thing that he drew? It was like half a liger. Okay. I mean, you're not going to be happy, like which princess you are. And you're like, oh my God, I know it's new. I was Rapunzel, you know? No, it's going to be like, oh shit, I got a withholder pattern. And then immediately you're going to go, how is this not true? How is this not so? But just so you feel secure and the things that I'm going to be sharing with you, and you can take that pattern test and we're going to be riffing on it a little bit today. Just know that this has been probably this test 10 years in the making. When I had the luxury of being a teacher inside of one of the world's leading drug and alcohol treatment centers where I ran all the codependency program, I first mentored for years underneath the founder of NACOA, which is the National Association of Adult Children of Alcoholics, who has written multiple codependency books, who has been a world-class leader in this field. And I got so much more education from him and my students that I was working with than I ever would have had I got that doctorate degree. Okay. I can guarantee you that because my specialty was so niched, so laser focused. And then I had case studies. We would see about a hundred new clients, uh, sorry, thousands of clients every single month. And we'd be seeing a hundred people at a time, you know, on any given day. And I tested out these different patterns and played with these patterns inside of a codependency group that I ran every single day for almost a decade. So I know that this information is accurate. Uh, we have the data, you know, all these things. But again, I want to say to you at the end of the day, these are patterns, not pathology. I'm not trying to give you a label and stick it on your head so that you can go, oh, shit, I have this thing. I have codependence. You know, I worked so hard with addicts and alcoholics inside of that treatment center to be like addiction is something you have, not who you are. It's a very fine line though, because you develop, people develop an addictive personality and it becomes a little bit of who they are. And that's a video for another time. It's a podcast for another day. All right. We don't want to overwhelm. And, and speaking of overwhelming you, let's take a collective breath. Sometimes I get so excited about what I want to share with you. I come at you like a fire hose. One of my mentors, I mentored under for several years when I was in leadership, uh, John Maxwell, who I think is one of the best speakers of all time. But he did the same thing. He he was slow in his talking and he paused a lot and things like this, but he came at you informationally like a fire hose. And I just have books, just journals of information. And so if you ever notice you're binge watching or binge listening, let's say, because my people binge watch and binge listen, They're, they they like the occasional fire hose, there comes a moment in time where we need to slow this process down and be able to systematically remove 
our patterns and reprogram ourselves with more empowering patterns. And that work is done inside of our curated uh, groups, our semi-private group coaching containers that provide you an experience to share, an experience to get strategic advice, my coaching live. And if that's something you're interested in, you can go to HeidiRain.com and learn more about it. So Let's dive into some of these patterns and on like, like, let's say that we were going to get up in an airplane and we were going to take an airplane ride and we were going to have an aerial view. We're just going to look down at these different patterns and riff on them for a little bit so that we can see ourselves. So many times we say, well, they're codependent, but I'm not codependent. Okay. And I don't really identify as a codependent, Heidi. Uh, I know you had this codependency breakthrough, but I don't think I'm codependent. I don't think that's something. It's because it's so widely misunderstood. It's because the signs and symptoms are widely misunderstood. We do not, we cling to one kind of way that codependents show up, which is like, oh my God, I, I don't know how to tie my own shoes um, without uh, asking for approval. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, it, it's like this kind of pleaser, uh, you know, like person that has no ability to make shit happen in their life. Okay. That's what, that is the opposite of what this is, the exact opposite of what this is. So first of all, codependency has eight flavors as far as I'm concerned. All right. Eight different flavors. Your flavor of codependency could be totally different than the pleasers flavor of codependency. So we're going to get into one of these other flavors, one of the eight flavors, there's a sign and symptom of codependence, which people might not even recognize is control. Oh no, Heidi, the controlling per the, the person that's codependent is with the controlling person. Honey, it's a codependent relationship. Yes, a person with a controlling person is a codependent, but this person that's controlling is codependent with the person who's pleasing. Okay, it's co is two. We are codependent. We're not independent. Well, I'm just an independent person. I don't have it. No, we're codependent. Okay. It's just that the person who's a pleaser is a little more dependent than codependent than the person who's just controlling codependent. Now I know I just like, what the fuck am I talking about? Right. We're like, Woo, we're all over the place. Stay here. Simmer down. Settle in. Okay. Settle in. We got your comfort. We're going to keep going because sometimes I get on a riff and then I go, wait a minute, I just made that more confusing than it is. Controlling people are a type of codependent. And you know that you have this issue if you are controlling codependent because you feel like you have to be in control of everything all the time. And if you do not have control, you are afraid at every given moment. If you do not juggle all these balls, everything's going to come crashing down all at once. You can overreact to changes that are outside of your control. You are hypervigilant. You're always on the lookout for things all the time. Yes, that is a symptom or a sign of being a codependent person because we grow up in dysfunction. We grow up and how we become codependent or, or acquire codependent patterns is because we grow up in a dysfunctional family dynamic and we survey the land. We poke our little eyes out. We come out of the little hoochie ha. Okay. We poke our little heads out. We survey the land and we're like, hmm, who do I need to be in this 
place in order to be okay, <laughs> to get love, to be fine, to survive, to thrive. Ooh, I keep doing this, but yeah, survive, thrive, connect, or cope. And we take on a pattern and then control is one of those ways, especially if you grew up in an alcoholic home, an addicted home. And by the way, I know it's not cool to say alcoholic anymore because now we have to say substance use disorder, right? But here's what I want you to understand. My people grew up with alcoholics. Okay. That's the words we're using. That's how we're describing it. I did. And when I grew up in that environment, I felt like I had to be in control of everything absolutely all the time. I was like the sheriff in town, constantly hyper-vigilant, hyper-vigilant on what's going to happen next. When's the shit going to hit the fan? And how can I control that and prevent that bad thing from happening? Now, if you're not having that sign and you're on the receiving end of that sign, well, let's go to the symptom first. The symptom, how you feel when you're a controlling codependent is you feel freaking overwhelmed. You feel exhausted. And underneath it all, you feel really scared. You know, if you could just like vocalize that, but you can't because you have to maintain this level of control at all times, but you feel really scared and you feel completely overwhelmed. And often you can feel misunderstood because as a controller, you really do have everybody's best interests at heart and you're trying to prevent bad things from happening because of your training, okay? But it's really causing a lot of overwhelm in your life. And if you're on the receiving end of that, you are the codependent type flavor of a pleaser. The pleasing codependent says, go with the flow, don't rock the boat, uh, just bury your head and 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 do what you need to do. Um, it is that kind of like whatever you like, whatever you think. Now, these two need each other. A controller and a pleaser need each other in order to be in this codependent dynamic. A controller is not going to get with another controller. They're going to get with somebody they can play that game with. You know, if if love is a game, here's the rules. I'm going to be a controller and you're going to take it. You're going to please me. And a pleaser says, well, I don't know how to make any decisions on my own. And I defer to everybody else because I didn't get the um, permission to trust my own judgment. That's the flavor they grew up in. That's the dysfunction junction their train pulled into is, well, when I was growing up in a dysfunctional household, I the only way to avoid pain was to keep everybody happy, was to be the, the peacemaker in the situation. And a peacemaker doesn't have authority. They're just trying to manage all the damage around them. And that's what ends up happening is a pleaser will seek out a controller. And why are these two people so perfect together in this codependent uh, symptom and trait is because they, they get to enact their particular trauma bond. You know, this person, a controller, it feels felt like they were out of control all the time. And they and, and so they need to feel like dominant and they need to feel like they're and the pleaser needs to feel dominated. And this is a flavor of dysfunction. So they hook up together to repeat that pattern. Now at this point, okay, at this particular momento in Timo, you might be asking yourself, what the fuck? I think I know this pattern. I think I do this pattern. I think I know this pattern very well. How do you get out of this pattern? What do you do? Well, there's work to be involved. You know, enlightenment is a wonderful thing. You know, like we can have a moment of clarity and a wake up. And I do not underestimate awakenings. I've had several awakenings in my life that have radically transformed me and changed the trajectory of my life. And this can be an awakening, just this, just, just recognizing that you have this pattern. But unfortunately, 
patterns are laid. There is a foundation of that pattern that has been laid in your life. And this little brick and every behavior in your life and every relationship in your life has been building a house of lies. And what we need to do is systematically tear down that old house, tear down that old house of lies and rebuild a new structure. That's your dream home that you live in, which is your mind and your body, right? Brick by brick. You've been repressed, lied to, changed who you are to suit other people, thought you had to behave this way and be this way. But in reality, you you haven't. Now, now you don't need to. At the time, you did need to. That's that's valid. You needed to be a controller. You can value it, not beat yourself up. You needed to be a pleaser because that's how you survived your angry dad or your crazy mom or whatever. Okay. You needed to do that. So let's not beat ourselves up for patterns. They're not pathology. We're not sick. We are wounded. There's a big difference between being a sick person and a wounded person, but it's your responsibility as a wounded person to seek out the care to heal that wound. The wound does not heal on its own. Time does not heal the wound. In fact, if you leave a, a wound open and don't do anything, what happens? Sepsis, a bad thing is going to happen, right? So we need to properly care for that wound. And that's what we do inside of our groups, inside of our group sessions, our semi-private group coaching is we heal the wounds. We systematically do it step-by-step. Step. And now if you're a self-study person, which I get, I was used to be a lone wolf too before I created the pack, you can go over to HeidiRain.com and purchase the Codependency Breakthrough Program, which systematically undoes these patterns one at a time. You can buy that course right now. You can head, put your hot little fingers on your keyboard and head over there to HeidiRain.com and snatch it up and start to go through the program. And then if you decide, hey, man, I, I think I, I she's onto something here but I'd like direction, then come into one of our supported semi-private group coaching containers where we systematically go through what you're learning week by week by week together with me. All right. The second type of pattern I want to talk about, a sign of a pattern, is a, uh, a withholder. That's the one that my soul sister got, right, is a withholder. And she might feel like, well, that doesn't suit me because what a withholder does is they, they want to be desperately close to somebody want to be super close, but they fear rejection ultimately underneath of it all. So they play games, distancing games. They, they're like, Hey, come close. To I used to have this joke with somebody a long time ago about this withholder when I was a teenager, even and these ideas, these characters used to pop into my mind, like come close to me, but stand far away. You know, I am so hot for you, like ice, you know, like, like it's so confusing with a withholder because they want to be with you, but they constantly keep pushing you away or keeping you at an arm's distance. And they do these things like invent fights or 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 create scenarios in their mind or figure out figure out why when they start to love you, figure out why they don't like you right away so they can avoid the rejection. And it's just, it's a maddening thing for a withholder because they know deep down they want to have that connection so badly, but they don't trust the process enough. They believe that people are going to hurt you. So you better shut it down, keep it down and lock it up. But the problem with the withholder, the symptom, the emotional symptom of that person is that they feel totally unseen. They feel very lonely at the end of the day. A withholder will feel like nobody really sees me. And that's valid. You know, growing up in an environment where when you expressed your pain or you expressed your feelings, you were gaslit or gaslighted out of that. You were told, shut up, you're too sensitive, suck it up, do whatever. You know, that's how withholder is born. And again, Please go take the assessment, go over to love, go over to HeidiRain.com, take the assessment and be able to see 
And when you get that result back, it shows these in, in order. I also have a whole playlist on YouTube about the attachment personality patterns. That's what these are, codependent attachment personality patterns. And you can look at the five core symptoms of the withholder and I'll link that for you. Okay. So, but a withholder can't be codependent by themselves or else they're just an independent person, right? So who is a withholder dependent with? Well, they're codependent with a clinger. I mean, they're not going to attract people who withhold from them. They need somebody to play out the play of dysfunction with and pull their little train of dysfunction junction and 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 ride that train, right? To, 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 to you know, Sadville or wherever we're going in this thing. I was in this pattern most of my life as the withholder myself, where I would be with people that were super clingy. And at first I'd be like, oh, this is so nice. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to really put myself out there because they're going to overshare. They're going to be more, they're more into me than I am into them. That works perfectly for me. Fabulous. You know, the clinger is like all in, they put you on a pedestal. It's like, great. I don't even have to expose myself or be anything. Uh, you just think I'm so amazing. This is great. You're always going to love me. They hook up with a clinger because they're like, man, you're not going to reject me at the end of the day. Right. But what happens is eventually is that clinger who comes in and that's a codependent flavor of abandonment issues. I don't want you to leave me. I'm so scared, you know, that you're not going to want me. So I, if I sense any pulling away, I'm going to chase, 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 chase. I'm going to project a fantasy onto you when I meet you as a, like you're a withholder, but as a clinger, I'm going to be like, ah, they don't know love, but wait until I show them the way of the love. And then suddenly I will be the one who will go up in their shell and they will fall madly in love with me and be with me for the rest of my life. Okay, this is what a clinger believes. We fantasize, we romanticize, we project a fantasy. We might not see the cautionary flashing signs, unavailable, emotionally unavailable, and because we, we need to enact our trauma bond. We need to be chasing people who don't want us. That's the only way we get to keep doing this dance and live in the lie that we're not enough, that we're inadequate, that nobody loves me. That feeling underneath that we have as a clinger. What did I write down here? Desperate, desperate for love, desperate to be chosen, desperate to be picked. And a clinger feels smothered eventually or a withholder feels smothered eventually, starts to push that person away. But then as soon as that clinger starts getting that sense, they start to panic. And eventually a clinger goes away totally and finds somebody else, you know, after a while. But the withholder then, their their rejection chip gets ignited. And then all of a sudden they start clinging to the, they start clinging to the clinger. Oh, no, 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 you can't leave me. And they switch roles. And, the, and then the clinger becomes the withholder and the withholder becomes the clinger. And it, and if, because they can't both cling and they can't both withhold or they can't do the dance. So this relationship will never really work ultimately at the end of the day. And the way out again is to systematically take down the blocks, the walls that the withholder has built to protect her little heart, her gorgeous little precious baby Jesus heart, Okay that has been stomped and trampled on by people in her life that didn't understand her, didn't value her sensitivity, didn't see her, didn't see that in her, that she was, she, she needed a safe place, a haven just to be able to share her innermost secrets. You know, withholders were a little bit like pretenders. 
And that's another type of person where a withholder has deep emotion and, you know, sucks it up, but we'll have, we'll let that out. They're more like a binge restrict cycle. A withholder will go, go, go and go until they can't go anymore and then unleash it. Well, a pretender is like, suck it up, never let them see you sweat and put on a show no matter what. And that's a person, that's a pattern nobody wants to get. Pretenders are often, the signs are, you feel like a ticking time bomb. You feel fake. You feel like you're waiting to be found out. You are not being your true self. Pretenders are chameleons. They are, I am whoever you need me to be. Now, all of these patterns are kind of, I'll be whoever you need me to be, but not so much like than the pretender. The pretender can just be anybody because they'll be who they need to be in whatever situation that they're in. They'll make it look better than it is. They'll lie. They'll make up scenarios. Oh, I've been there too. Just to connect with people, just to feel part of the crowd. Pretenders do not want to be left out. Their biggest fear is like keeping up with the Joneses is like looking. They want to be liked more than anything. So they sacrifice like a pleaser will a little bit, but a pleaser will do it on a smaller scale with one person they really love where a pretender will put on a show for the masses. They curate their image. They want people to see them a certain way. So they never let anybody see them without that curated image on themselves. Okay. So I know I'm overwhelming you a little bit. Um, pretenders uh, are codependent with a multitude of these patterns. Uh, one of the patterns that they hook up with a lot is the pattern of a victim where, you know, the victim is, well, let me tell you about the other, okay. Let me make this, let me take a pause here because I don't want to start confusing you. At this point, you might be thinking, Heidi, I, I I kind of am like a lot of information right now. You know what? I feel that. I feel that. Let's go through, can we just do one more? Just one more little codependent pattern. Hook up. And again, if not, then, you know, by all means, go back, pause, get out of here, come back later listen later, put your AirPods in when you're making your fettuccine tonight. Hopefully you're eating carbohydrates. They are good for our brains. And we're just, you know, living our lives and and getting more information and healing one podcast, one YouTube video at a time. Again, if you want quicker healing, go over to HeidiRain.com and get the program. All right. Get with the program, man. Get with the program. All right. So the one that I want to talk about the most uh, and most of my clients are in, most of my students are in, most people come to this course or come to this work, recognize themselves in this one pattern. And that is the pattern of the fixer pattern. Now you would not recognize this as codependent really at all. You would think, well, I'm the person that fixes the codependent fuckers. You know what I mean? Like, like that would be your attitude about it. I can't tell you how many doctors, nurse practitioners, nurses, coaches, therapists, healers I have inside of my programs. I cannot tell you. Teachers, how many people, uh, corporate uh, turnaround specialists, uh, 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 marketing sales people, like I can't tell you how many people in my programs are highly competent, amazing human beings that would never identify as a codependent because they misunderstand what it is. But a fixing codependent has all the answers and they are a freaking superhero. Who's a codependent? Wonder Woman, 
Who's a codependent? Superman. And who do they need in order to feel how they want to feel in their lives? Whoever is going, I need a hero. Okay, a victim. Every hero needs a good victim in order for this to work. A doctor needs a patient. A therapist needs a patient. Okay, we need uh, people to fix and heal. Now, is there something wrong with that? Am I am I bad mouthing my people, and my students, and my clients? Absolutely not. I'm saying save that shit for your work and in your intimate relationships. Have a true partner instead, not a victim. But you don't. You go to work all day long and you fix people and you fix companies and you fix situations and then you get home and you got to fix your freaking alcoholic. You got to fix your narcissistic person who doesn't get it. You got to fix your person who, who is checked out. You got to fix the people in your lives because you're attracting people to live out this lie within you that in order for you to feel valued and whole, you must earn your keep and the price you pay is fixing other people. Now, here's what you need to know. That pattern was very helpful once upon a time for you as a little baby, baby boy, baby girl, little toddler, little little child. Okay, it's old school Barbie representing us. As little ones, we marched into our family and we were like, you know what? My dad is drinking too much. I bet you I can fix this. Let me go take that alcohol and dump it down the drain. And let me go uh, clean up the house because everybody knows that people can't function if it's not a clean house. Let me make sure that everything, I can fix this. Oh, okay. And then I feel a little bit successful and I feel like, man, yeah, this is awesome. I'm, I'm making some headway here. And then we march into our lives and we go, what else do I need to fix? And we're constantly, we're hypervigilant again here and we're looking for problems all the time. Why is this a problem for us? Because eventually we are completely, we feel used we feel invalidated, we feel undervalued, we feel taken advantage of, we feel disrespected on a regular basis. I just wish they would take my freaking advice. If they would just listen to me, everything would be so much freaking better, but it's not because a victim needs to stay in the position that they're in. You don't have uh, a victim personality whenever you're working in an, an ER or an OR. You have a victim of a circumstance that is there as a volunteer to get well. But what you have in your bed next to you is you got Rick who counts on the fact that you're going to solve all his problems so he doesn't have to solve any himself. And when he doesn't get well, he gets to blame you instead of himself because you're the one that's coming up with all the ideas. He didn't, he knew that idea wasn't going to work. He knew that treatment center you picked out was bullshit. He knew where you were trying to fix it to go wasn't going to be the right thing for him. He knows he's tried everything else in the world and that's never going to work for him. Now, you know, as a fixer, that's a crock of hooey poop. And you know that you can help him. And if he just listened to you because you're a genius and you are, that he would be better. But that's never going to happen. Now, I want to say a caveat to this because inside of my groups, and I have a, a groups for parents of addicts and spouses or partners, two separate meetings, two different things. Because, and by the way, if you're like, Heidi, I really like this idea of the group, but I do not have the bandwidth as a fixer to listen to other people's shit. Like 
am I going to come in there? And is Sarah just going to like moan and bitch and be a victim for four hours about what her problems are? Um, two things I want to say about that. Number one, no, because we are a coaching company. We work on solutions. And when somebody comes in, it's not a therapy session where we're going to sit on our therapist's couch and we're going to cry and our therapist is going to hand us tissues and we're going to keep going. And then she's going to go, okay. And you're still crying and you're totally unresolved. And she'd be like, that's our time for today. This is a great place to end. And you're thinking, really? Cause I'm ripped open. Yes. Yes. Perfect. You know, no, we resolve things. We never open up anything we can't resolve, okay? We never go somewhere without a resolute plan to get you to the other side of it. But the other thing is too, as a fixer in your life, you didn't have the luxury of, of being able to say, I'm hurting, I'm broken, I'm, tr I'm troubled, I'm wounded because you had to save everybody else. Wonder Woman doesn't have a safe place to go in order to talk about her feelings. So she gets the weird idea in her head that she's not supposed to have any feelings or need that type of shit. And you do. You do need a safe place where you can come in and talk about the things that are bothering you, that are upsetting you. You need to share your heart and that vulnerability is your breakthrough. Being able to see that you're a human being is a valuable, life-changing experience when you do that in a safe environment. Same for withholders, same for controllers. We don't have a lot of uh, victims in our programs Okay, because we have more fixers that are in relationships with the victims. All right. But the truth is you are being victimized and you do need to claim a little bit of that in order for you to heal. Addiction and dysfunction, when you are in these codependent dynamics, it's because it's a dysfunctional, sometimes addicted, sometimes emotionally, financially abusive, psychologically abusive. But I'll tell you what I know for sure. Every addicted relationship you're in with somebody is an abusive relationship. And that's really tough for people to like wrap their heads around. It's like, no, but I, Rick is like so nice and caring and kind and, until he's drunk and then he's somebody else. Now I'm going to commit to you right now. I'm going to make a video on that about how addiction is an abusive relationship. I made one for the addicts and alcoholics about how addiction is an abusive relationship with themselves. But what I want to share with you is in another video, I promise I'm going to make that for you. Okay. In the meantime, I'm going to trust this has been helpful for you. We did not get through all the patterns. There are more patterns. There are two more that we didn't talk about. We didn't talk about the perfectionist pattern, maybe, maybe one or two more. So, but I, but it's enough for today. All right. A good man, codependency recovery. So much of it is learning about what's enough sometimes, you know, okay, I'm full. I'm full, you know, I'm satiated, <laughs> All right? Like I'm stopped, I can't have any more. We just want to be a little full today. Let this digest, let it marinate, let it simmer. And by all means, if you come to the conclusion or take the test over at HeidiRain.com, that in fact, this is an accurate assessment. This does ring my bell. This does speak to me. I do trust this woman to get inside my head and know what I'm thinking and feeling because she's speaking the damn thing then there's a pretty good chance if I'm able to figure all this stuff out that I have the solution on the other side. Waiting for you to make the investment. And that's 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 what it that's there's a price we pay for everything, okay? Of time, of energy, of resources, of finances into your well-being. You've already investing time here. Take the next step. All right. Make an investment into you. Start the program. Start the course. 
And then when you're ready to come into the container, come into the semi-private container where we can support you through this work. All right. I love you. Take excellent care of yourself. Be who you are. Love yourself. Know yourself. See yourself. Be yourself. Free yourself. Freaking right. A freaking that. Right. Love you. Take excellent care. And I'll see you really soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. I see you.